This episode contains unfiltered spoilers for the Wheel of Time book series. Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Whifford. Hey, hey. So today, we are going to go back in time to our roots and talk about the Wheel of Time a little bit here. And so for this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the book series Wheel of Time, something Mike and I are both quite familiar with and something that we are both big fans of. And we are going to talk about some of the third tier and below characters from the book series that we really enjoy. I'm going to do kind of a top five list, but we're not really ranking them within those top five. We're just kind of like saying five that we like. So we're hoping to have a good time here, hoping that maybe we can get these characters more fans and see what we can do in the meantime and not try to snipe each other with these people. <laughs> so, <laughs> that would be an interesting thing because we did not discuss who was on our lists. Right. Uh, the one thing that we did talk about um, before we get into any of the content here um, was we talked about what makes a main character in The Wheel of Time. And so for this, Mike and I both agreed there's, of course, the Emmonsfield Five, which are Randall Thor, Perrin Barra, Matrim Cawthon, Egwene Alvere, and Nynaeve Almira. Those are going to be our five like top-tier main characters in the Wheel of Time book series. We then also were like, what are the second-tier characters? And so we included Alain Mandragoran, uh, Moraine Damadred, uh, <laughs> Almendrid Alfarshaw, a.k.a. Men, um, Fael, Tebash- or Fael Bashir Tebara, a.k.a. Fael, <laughs> a.k.a. Fael. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have... Elaine Tricand, and then Avienda of the Non-Valley Sept of the Tardad Aiel, and Swan Sanche. And we are also including Tom Drill Merlin, a.k.a. Tom, a.k.a. Tom Merlin, the Bard, the <laughs> Gleeman, whatever you want to call him. Uh, we are including him in this list of secondary slash third tier gray area characters. Um, and, and, we're, and loyal. And, oh, yeah, wow. How could we forget loyal? I know. So we're excluding all of those characters from our list of five relatively smaller scale characters that we're going to talk about and why we like them. And the reason is because all of those characters that I just named there all have their big fan bases, all have people that like really like them a lot. And all have a good amount of chapters written from their perspective within the Wheel of Time series. Now, Tom Marilyn may not have many chapters written from his perspective, and Loyal has a smaller amount of chapters written from his perspective as well, especially once we get into the later half of the series there. But these are both characters that a lot of people are very familiar with, are around a lot in the book series and have their own fan bases. So we are excluding them from our list of five people. Now, before we get into who our five characters each are, I'm just going to go through the reminders here. And that is, if you'd like to contact the show, 
You can do so by getting at us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Fantasy Rewind. On Instagram, we are Fantasy Rewind Pod. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can do that at you can do that at, at the Fantasy Rewind Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your ideas for what you might want to see featured for an episode, whether it be from Wheel of Time, from Lord of the Rings, from any other fantasy or sci-fi series. We haven't delved too much into sci-fi yet, but that is a direction we're going to go eventually. So whatever you guys would like to see, or hear rather, let us know. All right, so Mike, before we get into this Wheel of Time thing here, I do want to talk real quickly about the Rings of Power for one second, because I can finally say something positive about this show that I'm excited about, and I want to say this. So... I want to... How do you think of the orcs? I thought they were amazing. Uh, yeah, I might disagree with you on that. Oh, no. <laughs> I, saw, I was seeing them, and I just, like... I don't know. It looked so... I couldn't put I couldn't put a finger on it, but it just wasn't... It wasn't something that clicked with me just yet. I'm not okay. saying they're terrible or anything like that, but it just, like... I saw all the pictures, and I just didn't vibe with it. I... I have to go back and look at them again, but yeah, I, I, I meant to talk to you about that before, actually, because I was like, I don't know if I like that. Oh, man. See, I actually thought they were done really well. Like, I, they're by far my favorite thing I've seen about the series so far, and like, I think a lot of that has to do with them being more practical effects as opposed to CGI. Now, they may mm. lay CGI over top of these practical effect uh, images we're seeing, but at the same time, it's one of those things where... They have this gigantic budget, and I'm interested to see, like, where they spend it. Because, so far, that series has been causing some trouble in my mind as far as, like, what I'm expecting of it. Um, But, alas, we have differing opinions on this one, and that's cool with me. Um, I'm still interested to see how this shakes out when they release the show. I'm assuming Rings of Power will be released episode by episode on a weekly basis, We'll find out once it actually starts airing towards the end of the summer here. Yeah, and you know what? Um, I just pulled up the pictures here, and I'm looking again at them, and I'm looking at them compared to the orcs they had in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I will say that like the facial structure there, like their facial features, they do look really good. I think maybe it's partially the outfits. I can see um, that. And how it, it, it does kind of differ from what we saw a lot in The Lord of the Rings. And, you know, we do have to keep in mind that these are old, like, older, like, pre-Lord right. of the Rings era. There won't be any Urukai. Yes, there won't be any Urukai. But I think on top of it, too, like, the one, I think with the, the one that's the most, um, kind of, I disagree with the most, is the one with the, like, shawl. Yeah, the, that's looks, the one that looks the weirdest to me. The one, like, it's running, kind of, with, like, the hood yeah. up and everything. With yeah. the dual swords, yeah. Because it's, it's very much, very human. Uh, which may be what they were going for there. I don't know, but... Yeah, I'll be interested to see, like, if they do the whole Twisted Elves take on orcs. And that might be why they look a little bit more human or elven, maybe. But, no. either way... Let's jump out of that little uh, soliloquy and get into the main content for today, which is talking about 
five underappreciated characters in the Wheel of Time. So, Mike, I'm going to give you the first character to talk about here. All right, so I'll go from my fifth one all the way to my first one. So okay, so right. we are ordering them now. Okay, so yeah. yes. All right, I was we like, will, I might as well. We'll do might that. Well. <laughs> and if I get yours, then yours on top of it, then... I'll just know. comment on why I like yeah. them. All right, so I was really debating on this one as a whole, and I, I, I do have the group later on, I think. I do have the group later on. But number five for me is going to be a member of the Forsaken. Okay, uh, nice. <laughs> uh, so it would be uh, Asmodean. Okay, Asmodian. Asmodian, yes, sorry, Asmodian. Um, Asmodian, yes, the pronunciation's right there in front of my face. <laughs> Uh, and the reason I wanted him a little bit more is we got, like, just a l- little brief glimpse with him teaching Rand. And I would have liked it if they stretched that part out more and you got mm. more of, like, a teacher um More of a Yoda moment? Yeah, more of a Yoda moment, I suppose. Also, too, it would have been really neat for him to continue to make comparisons of this age and what he was used to because he was very different from the other forsaken and that was one of the reasons why i picked him out was because he didn't go for power to crush my enemies because i'm a great warrior like no that wasn't his motivation at all and it would have been really neat to see more of that and more of maybe his story and turning to the dark Mm. i like that pick a lot actually because Asmodian has always been somebody who I felt like he got ended way too abruptly. Like when he Agreed. when he's killed, you don't even know who kills him until like the last book. The final yeah. book is Memory of Light, and you don't find out his killer is uh, Samurag, right? Or was it Grendel? Ah, uh, Gr- Grendel. You don't find out Grendel. it was Grendel that kills him until the very end of the series. I know. And I always thought like Asmodian reminded me of like Tom Marilyn turned to the dark side. Yes. And that was really cool because obviously, like most readers in The Wheel of Time, I love Tom Marilyn. So, like, seeing, like, his shadow version with Osmodian just kind of plucking away on his, on his, like, lute or harp or I forget what instrument he used exactly, but all, like, the sad songs Rand makes him play and that, like, show his tortured soul and everything, especially once Lanfear limits his power. And makes him, like, super weak so that Rand can learn from him, but Osmodian couldn't, like, betray Rand and, like, try to kill him or anything like that. Yeah. And I feel like when you see Osmodian captured, he starts to kind of turn back to the light insofar as that he fulfills his role as a teacher. He goes and, like, defends Rand at some points from Shadow Spawn, and I... I do like him. As far as the Forsaken goes, he's a very interesting character. Alright, sitting at number five for me, I'm going to go with somebody that we've actually seen portrayed on the series so far already, actually. And that is going to be Uno. And Ooh. Uno, one of the reasons I like Uno a lot, um, as far as like my five underappreciated characters, is because of the comedy relief that Uno brings. Every time you see him, he's always like bloody this, flaming that. And then when he's in the presence of Elaine, 
he's always trying to like crush his cursing and like gets so frustrated that he just like <laughs> turns purple from like trying to hold his curses in so much and he just provides some really great comedy relief there and i always like when you see like the old school like wheel of time cursing as well i think that's really fun in the book series and i also really like how uno does like kind of fulfill that protector role for elaine and nynaeve and the and even Egwene, i think when they are leaving um fold Faldara, not Faldara, um well falma there after uh after all of that goes down and everything and I do like how he takes that on and just, he later, like, leaves his post from being a Borderlander, basically, and being a part of the Borderlander army, to joining the White Tower army. And a lot of that is because of his loyalty to the women that he protects and oversees. Um, And, yeah, just a very cool, very mellow character with some flavorful language that I like. (laughs) (laughs) He is such a... Ah, refreshing character uh, for me, especially as I'm reading. And you, I think you hit it right on the head there. Like his use of just the humor he brings is just so great. And it would be really cool to also hear um, maybe some stuff from his perspective, like when uh, him and the group of Shinarans, yeah, who defected once Rand kind of pronounce themselves pronounce themselves as a dragon reborn it would have been cool to get kind of their adventure a little bit more outside of just seeing them once uh you know when ran left and then all of a sudden they pop back up i think it was when perrin or matt were in Giladon. yeah so they found him again um when masima was the prophet and yes. everything and that whole profit business is a little weird and not my favorite part yeah, of the series. I never, yeah, that that was a chunk that kind of goes in with the whole <laughs> Perrin and Fael and all that. And I'm usually just like, uh, let's get through this. <laughs> yeah, and like I want to keep this episode positive, but I'm going. I know, to, I know. I'm going to go out and say this though: Perrin could be eliminated from the series, and I'd be a hundred percent fine. <laughs> just like his whole storyline. Um, probably an unpopular opinion, but. That's okay. <laughs> I don't think it would. I don't think it would have. I think maybe you've said this before, but I don't know if it would have changed much of what happened in the books. Right. Right. Unfortunately. All right. So, but, Mike, who do you got uh, for us at yes. four? Yeah. My number four. Um, so my number four is Varen. Oh, very nice. Good. I was hoping you would pick her because I left her off my list on purpose. <laughs> I. Well, one, I actually have quite a few channelers, but that's just how it kind of crum- how the cookie crumbled, I guess. But Varen is just such an interesting character. One, you never really get a whole lot of her backstory. Um, you get bits, little bits and pieces here and there, but she was such an uh, integral part of the series. But she only popped up, pops up, you know, here and there, and you only get maybe like one chapter from her perspective or two. And uh, I know we said spoilers at the beginning, but, like, you know, you find out later that she's a dark friend. She kind of gives her reasoning why it all happened and how it all happened. But it would have just been really neat to see more of the inner workings of her being a dark friend. And I know the reason they didn't do that was to keep that a secret until, you know, it was revealed. And what a reveal it was. It was. I mean, it, it is still one of the biggest shockers from 
the, the entire series. Actually, it probably is the biggest shocker uh, for the entire series. But I think it would have been really neat for us to get more of her perspective throughout the series. So then when we got there, it would have even been more of a, like, punch in the gut. Whereas, you know, we like her as a side character. We don't necessarily trust her because the boys don't trust her. And even though it always seems like she's helping them, from our perspective, uh, there it would have been neat to see maybe some shadiness, I guess. Or some, some things to just lead us to question. But that i digress yeah no i love your pick of varen there and like i said i left her off my list on purpose um she wasn't in the excluded character list for me uh, but she was somebody who i was like i'm really hoping mike takes her so i want to talk about other people and because varen is probably my favorite Aes Sedai outside of the ones that are named here and uh, the reveal of her being a dark friend was just fantastic and there were some breadcrumbs, but you have to, like, really look for them. Yes. Like, looking throughout the series leading up to that reveal. And I just think, you know, like you said, if there was, like, uh, some perspective of Varen, like, leading up to it. Like, you see the part where she, like, almost poisons Cad Swain and decides not mm-hmm. to. And you're like, whoa, what the hell is up there, Varen? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I think that if you saw some of her thought process leading up to it all, like, it could have been an even bigger reveal, especially if, like, her, from her perspective, she was doing what she considered right. And the, the fact that she even got in bed with the Black Aja because she got caught by them and then was using it to her advantage, so cool. Yeah, and, I mean, this, this kind of leads into something that never quite got settled for me, is that, you know, all these Black Aja members who failed to do what they were supposed to do got killed yeah yeah. but what about her i mean she had to have done stuff for the black asha right and so like how did she get out from you know either being murdered or anything else because she was around ran all the time she could have done it stuff almost all the time right like you see you see grendel you see Oh my god, you see Masana, you see so many other of the Forsaken, like, sending these Black Aja members um, out after people. You see Mogadine, especially, you know, going after, mm-hmm. like, Elaine and Egwene and Nynaeve. Um, but they never send, at least to our knowledge, they never send Varen on any mission. So I'm wondering, like, if it's because she was, like, so low on their totem pole that they didn't even want to bother with her. But if that was the case, then, like, how does she go to, like, all these meetings and everything? Because I'm fairly certain that Varen's one of the Aes Sedai we see, like, in, like, those secret meetings that we see, like, with a Dark Friend Circle or Dark Friend Social or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Um, I know Shiryam, I think, was one of the ones that was there. But um, either way, like, I think that it would have been a very interesting time to, like, see and learn more about Varen. Like, hell, even though she's dead, I'd be cool with, like a Varen, like, focused book about, like, how she, like, was spy master uh, against mm-hmm. the Black Aja, basically. That'd be cool. Yeah. It could almost be, like, a notebook, like a diary. Yeah. Thing. Exactly. That'd be, that'd, be, that'd be really sweet. All right. All right. So, for me... What's your number four? Number four. Um, so, just spoiler alert, all of my characters are non-Chandlers. Oh. So, it's gonna be a nice mix Good. of Chandlers and non-Chandlers here. Um, the guy that I have here at number four is Bell Domond. 
And oh, so... Oh, gotta love Vale. You went with <laughs> some really funny characters. I was gonna say, you can tell I have, like, a type of character that I enjoy. Um, but Bale Doman here, you know, he starts off as the smuggler captain on the riverboat, piloting down the river to help Matt and Tom and Rand escape the Trollocs. And, like, you don't think anything of him. And then he shows up again later on, and you're like, oh, I know you. I wonder I wonder if that is you, Mr. Doman. And then he just morphs from there to become, like, this, like, really funny, really enjoyable character who, like, has this heavy Ileana accent. And, like, whenever I think of an Ileana, I just think of Bale Doman and his beard that's, like, shaved above the lip and everything, and so, like, I was really excited to, like, see him cast for Wheel of Time TV series upcoming here, and the guy they cast for him actually looks really, really good for, uh, I think it was a good for casting him. choice. Yeah, um, but going back to the book, Bale Delman, like, I really enjoy his time, um, where he's working with Nynaeve, and, like, when he first meets, um, Lylewyn Shipless back before, she, that's her name. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when she's still a Geenan and like, I still like that scene where like, he's kind of earning his way, like through the Sean Chan and like trying to not get murdered for being a smuggler. <laughs> um, later on in the book series, once him and a Geenan are married and once a Geenan shifts from, uh, shifts into her Lylewyn shipless form there, I start to like him a little bit less. Um, but I think a lot of that is because we just don't get more time with him and what we do see with him uh, towards the end, like in Memory of Light, where I am right now, because um, I'm rereading the book series, obviously. Um, let's talk about that in other, other episodes. But uh, in Memory of Light, when he's just hanging out at the Aes Sedai camp with uh, Lylewyn, he's just like a big brooding man, just like not really doing too much. But like mid to early book, Bale Doman is very enjoyable. Um, I like that. I like him a lot. And I kind of liked the perspective we got from him, like, trying to barter for his life when he's first captured by the Sean Chan. And, like, that part there is what really made me um, like Baldoman quite a bit. He is a really cool character. And he is such a neat progression in how he kind of weaves in and out of the story. And it really shows how the pattern kind of works around the Taviran. And I guess you could also make the argument that Nynaeve and... Uh, was also to be to veer in like in the show like i mean he kept you know he kind of kept intersecting with her was sort of the point i was going with there yeah well that's kind of like a, moraine saying the wheel weaves the wheel wills that's true but he is a cool character so all right number three for me now this one was a tough one i was actually stuck between two people all or sorry not all both of them are well one was a false dragon the other one, uh, though, was the dragon. And so I decided to go with the actual, the real deal. And that was um, Louis Theron Telemon. Nice. I, we get a lot of him, obviously, because he's in Rancid and he's Helena and all that uh, all the time. And we get a little bit, you know, the, like the first, in the first book, you get that whole little prologue with him and what happens to sort of set the stage. But it would have been really neat to get more like a perspective from him even in Rand's head or uh, like in the Age of Legends, like little sections where it was like him interacting with other characters. And then how did that lead to different things 
down the line. Sort of connects with like the Forsaken. We got more like more chapters where it was him and the Forsaken, and then it. This is how it led to them being where they were because it kind of all seems to always tie back to him. And for someone who's so important for us to have not like such minimal information kind of about his past outside of the big events, I don't know. I I, I want more. See, I didn't even I didn't even consider Luce there and Telamon as a, as a choice. Because I kind of view him and Rand as, you know, one and the same. But I do see your point. I think it would be really interesting, like, if we would have gotten, like you said, some, like, Age of Legend chapters that, like, focused on, like, what happened with Lucerne Telamon in a certain situation and maybe have that situation connect to something going on in the modern times here. It'd be a nice way to, like, shoehorn how some of the Forsaken, like, Demondred turn to the dark side um, and everything like that. Uh, I do enjoy Luce there and Telamon after he stops being a whiny little man about oh, Elena yeah. because later on in the series, like you like hear him and Rand having full on conversations between each mm-hmm. other. Um, and like when Luce Theron takes over and like springs up the death gates for the first time and just like goes, goes berserk. It's really cool. Um, I think that it definitely could have been a cool opportunity. And if they ever do, like, a Wheel of Time prequel book um, besides New Spring um, and go back even farther to the Age of Legends and show, like, the assault on Shale Ghoul, how it failed, or, like, how the Forsaken came to the dark and stuff, that would be really interesting. Yeah. All right. Number three for me, as far as, like, underrated characters or um, underrepresented characters, Davram Bashir is who I chose for this one here. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) And so Davram Bashir is uh, second in line for the Saldanian throne um, behind uh, the Queen Tenobia. He is Fael's father, and well... I do not really like Fael that much. What I like about Davram Bashir is just, like, how he always seems to me to be almost like this lion kind of, like, lurking and waiting for, like, his moment to strike. Because, like, when you first meet him and he encounters Rand and everything, there's a little bit of tension and everything, but then he quickly earns Rand's trust and becomes one of his most trusted generals throughout a good bulk of the series. And when you see, like, everything that he does as far as, like, training the Ashaman who washed out of the Black Tower to become the Legion of the Dragon and, like, a army of, like, loyal Dragonsworn that's, like, actually trained. Um, he's one of the... And he's one of the great captains in the Wheel of Time series here, so he's put in charge of one of the factions during the last battle... Um, I really like when, like, Rand is, like, in his dark brooding mode, and you see Davram Bashir just, like, chilling in a throne or chilling in a chair with, like, his leg up over the side, drinking his hand, just kind of lounging around, kind of laughing at the darkness of it all. And he just, like, kind of shifts from that to being, like, that focused arrow as soon as there's a time to fight. Like, when he first sees Mazrum Time or Masum Taim, or however you want to say it, the Mahal, I guess, um, back before he becomes the Mahal. Um, and he's like, I I want to kill this guy. 
<laughs> and he, he holds back because Rand's like, no, don't, I'm going to use him. And just his willingness to kind of follow orders and his willingness to be like loyal to the light and to the dragon is really cool. And I do like the moments that you see between like Davin Bashir, his wife, and like Perrin and Fael. That part is really interesting, especially when Bashir, uh, Davin Bashir gets Perrin alone and like kind of gives him like that father to you're dating my daughter talk. Um, although I guess Perrin married his daughter <laughs> at that point. Um, but still, I do like Davin Bashir quite a bit. I think that he is a very interesting character. And I kind of figured he wouldn't survive the last battle. And I mean, it's cool that he died. But <laughs> he's still someone I did enjoy um, and would have probably liked to see more. Yeah, good choice. You know, I didn't even think about him, but he, he is definitely someone who you don't get enough of. Okay, so I kind of did a dual one for this, for number two, you know, two for honor and two. Um, and it's funny, you kind of almost brought them up. You did kind of bring them up. Uh, so this would be Mahil, the Mahil. The Mahil? Or, yeah, the Mahil, whatever. Mazrum <laughs> Time and Loghain. Yeah. And the reason I want to bring these two up is because, one, they were both at the Black Tower. Mm-hmm. And that is a section of the books like a location that we never really get that much of we get some later Mm -hmm. on but like it never feels like enough it feels like almost an afterthought the entire time even to rand it does and i just feel like it was never done justice and there was just so much they could have gone into there like they did with the white tower they went over chapters and chapters and chapters in the white tower where all this political intrigue and stuff and you know the black aja but you know you had the Black Tower being run by <laughs> a future Forsaken, yeah, a future Forsaken who was turning people, and what it was, what it must have been like to do that. It would have been cool to been getting into his head and his action choices. And I know part of that again was to kind of surprise, reveal it. yeah, yeah, not a big it surprise, wasn't really much of a surprise, <laughs> you know. But it would have been really neat to get more of Loghain in that situation too, and his eventual, you know, kind of counter his counteractions to that and stuff so that was number two for me i could not agree with you more on that part there i almost put Logan down in my top five here and a big part of that is because of what you said about the black tower the black tower to me always seemed like oh yeah i'm gonna create this black tower it's gonna be so cool and then i'm just not gonna touch it for like eight books yeah and then um, I thought that was really weird that when we finally get to go to the Black Tower, our perspective is from Andral, who, like, we get mentioned, like, in a footnote, basically, leading up to Memory of Light, and then all of a sudden he has multiple, multiple chapters about him trying to rescue Loghain and everything, and I do appreciate that we got some of that action in there, and that the Black Tower wasn't, like, this complete, like, red herring, but... It had so much more potential. Like, if you got stuff from the perspective of, of Mazram Time, like, because I never trusted him as a reader. Like, from the very first time I read the series, going in there. His oily smile. Yes, yeah. Always seemed like a sleaze. And, oh. <laughs> that was a great way to say And I thought that he's totally evil. He's not going to, like, actually follow Rand all the way to the end, and he doesn't. Um, but still... 
I would have loved to have seen more in the Black Tower, more, like, on the training of the Ashaman, maybe, of, mm. like, Taim, like, going through the motions of pushing, like, a group of Ashaman through their, like, um, their attack training and everything, and then maybe having to, like, poison someone at the end there. Because, like, there was lots you could do to cover um, Intrigue at the Black Tower, and it all would have been very interesting. Because it was just as tumultuous as anywhere else in that book series and would have been cool to see more of and i would argue that it'd be more interesting than some of the stuff that happened in with other people's perspectives a hundred and fifty thousand (laughs) percent anyway dylan who is your number two my number two is ruark of the nine valley sept of the tardad aiel good choice the character who got done dirty and (laughs) ruark to me he is like the pillar of, like, what an Aielman should be. And, like, Ruark was mm-hmm. so cool throughout all of the entire book series. He was, like, always there with Rand, um, with the other clan chiefs, and just, like, going through the motions of, like, following their, um, the Karakarn, going through there. He never wavered. He was always faithful to Rand, always led, and was always honest. Um, told Rand when he was being a fool. Um, and just, like, Ruark was, there's nothing to not like about Ruark, in my opinion. And, like, the mm-hmm. fact that we first get introduced to him on the rooftops in Tyr with Matt um, and follow him from, I think it's book three until the very end of the series. And he never has a perspective um, from, like, a, perspe- a perspective chapter in the entire series. But he's always there, always a part of the battles. And he's just somebody who gets done so dirty at the very end where he, like, uh, Ruark dying, the way that he died was so infuriating for me because of how much I liked him. And he just gets, like, his mind stripped away and becomes a mindless thrall at the very end of the book here. I think it is to Grendel, isn't it? I want to say yes been a while it's been a while i'm not quite there yet I th- but it's one of the forsaken turns ruark into a mindless thrall when he's in thakandar protecting rand and he's with avienda and then avienda has to put him down and like it's it's one of those things where he got done so dirty <laughs> i know uh, what are your thoughts uh, on ruark there mike i mean i love ruark he's always been one of my favorite ielmen like you said, he is a staple of their culture. This is what how how you should act. This is how you lead. This is what a leader looks like. And I think for Rand, that was such an important person for him. Yeah. So I think they were really trying to go for some uh, shock yeah. there when you know he got turned into a thrall, this man who was so strong-willed and so intelligent, and then he had to get put down and... <sighs> No, just like even talking about him getting turned into a thrall is giving me goosebumps of the bad variety, and I'm just like freaking Ruark because he was basically like Rand's adoptive Aiel father, and yeah. yeah, um, I almost I toyed with putting Gaul on the list here. I mean, Gaul would have been a fun one, uh, but Gaul been I fun. I did not. But he's another character I really like, another Aielman who's fantastic throughout the entire series i think from book two Uh, um, he is great but it was like him ruark and 
Now that I'm saying it, I kind of wish I put him on there instead of Uno, but still, it's all good. I like Uno too. I like Gaul a lot. We'll go on. Who is your number one, Mike? Okay, so I'm going to actually give people a few that I really had to fight with, like, for this number one, either for the number one spot. Uh, like, so, for instance, Cat Swain. Okay. Uh, it was between her and the person I ended up choosing because I was just, I've always been really interested with Cat Swain and her stories would have been awesome. Mm. And she's someone, like, we get, you know, pieces of, but not, nothing substantial. Uh, just the other people I just want to shout out would be Demondred. Uh, Any of the Forsaken, really, would have been neat, again, to see, like I said before, their perspectives. Uh, Talmans. Talmans? Talmans? Talmanis? You know. Yeah, Talmanis. Like, you know, Matt's sidekick. But ultimately, oh, and the one that I also was fighting for the number one spot, Tamil Thor. Ah, good old Tam. Who I did not end up going with. Did not end up going with, but I, I struggled a lot with this one. Uh, I ultimately ended up choosing Landfear. Oh, okay, okay. I, I know, it was between her, Cad Swain, and Tam Althor. So it was really, like, a tough decision for me. And honestly, I probably would have picked, if I were to go back, like you said, and I would have removed Asmodean for one of them. Probably Cad Swain. But uh, Landfear, I chose her because she is somebody who is... Involved with Randall Thor, but not just Randall Thor, also <laughs> Louis Theron Telemann. And we get these bits and pieces and snippets and dialogue of why she is the way she is and why she feels this way. And it would have been so much more powerful if we got these perspective pieces from her, like her watching Rand as he's sleeping and some thought process going through her head. So you can get to the you can get to the point that this woman is legit a stalker and obsessed with him. And then we can start to understand why she's obsessed with him. What was it that caused this obsession to start? And then even like, maybe it was even like her thinking back to being stuck in um, the boar and trapped there. And all she could do is think about, you know, or hold on to like the darkness she had taken hold of and maybe her love and the promises made about her and Louis, uh, the dragon, you know, their eventual relationship, which maybe was why she joined outside of power as well. But it would have been so much more interesting because she is such uh, an important character. And yet we never really see the full scope of the things that she did. We only get like bits and pieces and ideas. Oh, maybe she sent some of her Trollocs in to save Rand. Why would she do that? You know, I think there was so much untapped potential with her. And again, there's like a million characters in this book series, so it's kind of hard. But for someone who is supposed to be such a big, fearful thing, according to Moraine, I just I never felt the full impact of her power in the book series. Whereas like some of the other Forsaken, I felt more scared of them than I did of her, even though they were scared of her. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) I I wanted more from her. And I just never got that, so. I like your choice of Landfear there. And, like, uh, this is a good time to, like, do a quick plug for the Wheel of Time Companion, which is basically a Wheel of Time encyclopedia, which has a lot of backstory on on Mirren and her turning to the dark um, and just some more information on Landfear. But, again, this is, like, like a 
all that book that's aside from the main series, having more of that into the actual series would have been a lot more enlightening for Lanfear's like thought process and everything. And the thing that's always intrigued me about Lanfear is exactly what you just said. Was it her that sent some Trollocs in to save Rand? Why would she do that? Like, what was actually going on? Like, is she going against the Dark One? Is she going against the Light? Like, where does she stand? Does she just stand for herself? And getting more thought process into, like, her actions would have been really enjoyable. Um, I mean, you get a little bit of her, but very little. And I feel like more is always better. So... I think that getting more land fear would have been really cool. So I think I'm going to do the same that you, same thing you just said there. As far as like some characters you toyed with, like I said, I toyed with Gaul. Probably should have put Gaul on this list as opposed to Uno. You named Tam El Thor already. Tam is Tam is solid, and he's described that way in the book a lot, and I like him a lot. Um, Actually, I didn't even touch your number one choice. You you mentioned my number one choice, actually. Um, mm. And my number one choice is Talmanis de Lavendi. Oh, hey, I should have just noticed the pattern. Which, actually, he is the entire reason I wanted to do this episode, because I'm reading, like I said, I'm rereading Wheel of Time right now. I'm in Memory of Light. Talmanis <laughs> finally gets some chapters, and I just, I, I love Talmanis so much. He He's one of my favorite characters. Um, and that is including the main ones. I like Telmanis that much, where he's probably, he's above a lot of the main characters for me. <laughs> um, but what I like about Telmanis so much is, like, how he goes from being this Kyrianian noble to being, like, dressing down, basically, and fighting with the military. Because, like, in Kyrian, you know how they wear, like, the stripes to indicate their ranks and everything like that? Telmanis doesn't wear stripes. Talmanis shaves his head like a com the front of his head like a common soldier, powders it, and wears plain clothes into battle. So he kind of like goes out there like fighting with the people, like kind of like a a noble of the people in a way. Then when he joins up with Matt and the band of the Red Hand, he's like constantly like laughing behind his eyes and like laughing on the inside. And everyone's like, "Oh, Talmanis, you have no sense of humor." When he's just, like, constantly making jokes and constantly, like, subtly making these digs at people and everything. Like, I like him a lot um, as far as, like, just for that that portion of him. Like, the Kyrianian subtlety of his humor is very funny to me. Um, but I also really like how he shows, like, his true colors, like, his nobility in that he won't just leave these the civilians of um, Camelin to die by these Trollocs. He's like, you know what? We're No one else is going in there. Come on, we're going for it. Oh, there's some merge all up ahead of me. Oh, I'm already nicked by your blade. I'm dying anyway. And he just goes ham and kills a merge all one-on-one in combat and earns the Borderlander titles of, you know, of killing a merge all and then killing a merge all by himself. I forget the exact name of it there, but... He's also in charge of the dragons, which are really cool. I kind of picture them basically as like almost yeah, uh, modern weapons. <laughs> in yeah, this like age. it makes me think of uh, in Mulan, you know, where literally the dragon firework that shoots out and blows up the mountain. Yeah, and I so kinda pictured like that, except mounted. 
Yeah, it's kind of like almost like a mortar as the way yeah. that I'm kind of picturing it. And it's so crazy to me, like how like they're like developing all this technology like throughout the series. Like they're building a car throughout the entire series that the school outside of Kyrian and everything. But getting back to Talmanis, I just enjoy all of that stuff about him. I think he's a very enjoyable character. He gets his due towards the end of Memory of Light. Um or sorry, throughout Memory of Light, where you get more time with him, um, as well as some of him in the Gathering Storm, I think. But he's still a very under underrepresented character, and someone who I feel like definitely deserves uh, a good fan base. I'd agree. He is a he is he is a joy to read and to to really start to understand him and how he's changed. I love that you brought that up. I think that's such a good point. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think we had a pretty good list. I like that we kind of went at it in different different ways. You kind of you definitely went based off of like the characters' personalities, whereas I went more like to the lore and like the their kind of adding to the their addition to the story and like you know we kind of attacked it in two different directions. So that was yeah. kind of fun. For it also sure. worked out that all mine were channelers and all yours weren't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what you said about Cad Swain, though, like, I I feel the same way, like, I do about her as I do about Varen, in that I would love a prequel book oh, focusing yeah. on the adventures of Cad Swain. Um, that would be awesome. She's not necessarily my favorite character. I think she's a little yeah. hoity-toity for me. Yeah. But, but at the same be, time, it, she's so interesting. And it would be so cool to figure out why. Yeah. She's revered, and she seems like she's so powerful, and she's so knowledgeable, and it's like, well, why? What happened in your life that's caused you to be this way because it seems like she's almost invincible and all right like you know like she's the standard all other Aes Sedai are held up to as far as power level goes and so it's like oh you're not even really that powerful (laughs) when you when you think about like the rest of uh the rest of the Chandlers that we have here but definitely a character with a cool backstory that probably should be told yeah all right so we're going to end it here, and those are mine and Mike's five characters each that we enjoyed. All right. So anything else you want to talk about, Mike, before we get out of here? No, but if they have a different list or people we missed that they're like, oh, yeah, you guys should have thought about this person, like, please feel free to reach at us on our socials and let us know. All right. Well, with that said, this is Two Nerds signing off. Goodbye. See ya.